Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading this morning comes from 1 John, chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 13. And this can be found on page 1228 of the Church Bibles. 1 John, chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we know anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Well, as we've already uh, thought briefly over throughout the service, the events of recent days have been uh, quite an extraordinary week. Some people have described them as a political earthquake. Someone else said it was a revolution, a history-defining moment. Of course, it's not the first time that Britain has found itself at the eye of a political storm. Internal political divisions and external conflict were so painful towards the end of the 18th century, it seemed to threaten the very stability of the world. Back then, it was the American colonies that sought independence from the British Empire, that sort of union of nations at which Britain was very much at the centre. As you know, that all ended in war, the War of Independence, and then the establishing of the American Constitution and the birth of the USA. In 1789, Benjamin Franklin famously wrote to Jean-Baptiste Leroy, our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Of course, we are ever in uncertain times. It's just to us, sometimes seem more uncertain than others. Leaders come and go. Nations rise and fall, empires dominate and diminish, 
but financial risk and death always remain. And after a week like this, as Paul's already reminded us, it's good to remember that praying for those in authority is a command of the scriptures. It's always a good thing, an important thing, a right thing to do. No more nor less now than it was before. Although I do suspect in the aftermath of the referendum, even atheist politicians will probably feel their need for a little divine help. And yet uncertainty and difficulty can be a good thing. In the hands of a sovereign God, they are, as C.S. Lewis put it, God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. They make us stop and think and consider. For there is no ultimate security in governments or nations or supranational institutions. The only place where there is an unshakable refuge is in the Son of God who has come and given us understanding. And yet many of us who feel uncertain in life, I think also feel uncertain in our faith. That seems to be the past experience of our battered and bruised Prime Minister, David Cameron. A few years ago, speaking about his own belief in God, he said, my belief in God is like reception for Magic FM in the Chilterns. It sort of comes and goes. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if there weren't a few people here who feel the same. There is always uncertainty in life, in our national life, in our personal lives. But, says John, there can be great confidence in Christ. See verse 13? I write these things, not just these final verses, but the whole book. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know you have eternal life. It is, John says, actually possible to to know that you have eternal life, to be confident that God is there and that Jesus' death has put you in the right with him forever. Such confidence, it's not arrogant presumption, but humble trust, because what matters is not the adequacy of my trust, but the sufficiency of my Savior. Of course, some people are temperamentally more confident people than others, but true confidence doesn't look at yourself, it looks at Jesus. What matters is not how much faith you have, but who you put your faith in. You can confidently reject Jesus and be eternally lost. And you can tentatively hold on to him and be secure forever. You might feel that you are barely clinging to Jesus. But he is holding on to you forever. And the truth is nothing and no one can snatch you from his hand. So... Two things to note from these final verses in 1 John, that whatever the storms of life and circumstance, firstly, know that you have eternal life and you can be confident before God in prayer. Know that you have eternal life and you can be confident before God in prayer, verses 13 to 17. See, verse 14, John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. 
Prayer, as Professor John Patrick puts it, is an interesting phenomenon. It's where the rubber hits the road. Either I'm talking with God, which is remarkable, or I'm talking with myself, which is embarrassing. And yet John says that what is remarkable is not so much us talking to God, but it is God listening to us. Sinners like us shouldn't even be able to approach God. But, says John, because of Jesus, we confidently approach him and he hears. And when we pray according to his will, to be heard is to be answered. And remember, God's will isn't something mysterious and hidden as if God has left us playing an eternal game of 20 questions as if we somehow have to prize from his unwilling hand the information that we need God has revealed his will in the scriptures so we can confidently pray bible-shaped prayers and know that God hears and answers as Dale Ralph Davis put it we take his promises and turn them into prayers in order that the promises may come to pass. What honour God confers on us, not as robots, but as servants who should have no higher ambition than to pray down his will. And so in these, these difficult and uncertain days, we pray for God's name to be hallowed. For his rule to be extended in these islands and into Europe and into the whole of the earth. For daily bread and daily forgiveness. For godly obedience and deliverance from evil. And of course the mark of real confidence is patience. For we will see God's answer in his time and not ours. Because I always think that at a a personal level, sometimes that is is hard. It's incredibly hard. I know there are many within the church family here who are facing huge difficulty with health. Or others who feel great disappointment in relationships or or career. or, Or others who feel a great sense of discouragement with children. Or grandchildren. This life can be incredibly painful, sometimes beyond words. But says John, be reassured. Approach God in prayer. Take the promises of the Bible and turn them into petition and know that the Lord hears and the Lord answers and that He will turn even the darkest night into the most glorious day through Jesus. Know that you have eternal life and you can be confident before God in prayer. And and that confidence is particularly important when it comes to praying for sinful fellow believers. You see, whilst it is true, verse 13, that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, if you trust Jesus, you, you have now eternal life. One of the ways God keeps his children to the end, one of the ways he gives us life on the last day is through the prayers of his people, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. 
John, made it, John has made it clear throughout his letter that whilst his readers should never be surprised at sin, either their own or other people, neither should they be content with sin, their own or other people's. See, John says at the end of verse 16, it's true that there is sin that leads to death. A sin like that of the false teachers troubling John's first readers. The sin that so turns its back on Jesus that there is nothing more that can be done. The sin that denies that Jesus is the Christ and rejects his death on the cross. You know, how can God rescue you from death and give you life if that is your outlook? But John says there is a sin that does not lead to death. All wrongdoing, verse 17, is sin. But sin for the believer doesn't mean you have blown it forever. Sometimes. Oftentimes, the old sinful nature rears its ugly head and we can feel cast down and discouraged. But, says John, sin is not the end for a believer. There is forgiveness through repentance and renewed trust. And the way that God brings that about in his children is through the persistent prayers of his people. Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. The Bible puts it elsewhere that all we like sheep have gone astray. And the truth is some sheep have gone further astray than others. Certainly sheep have a terrible habit of wandering. Uh, Driving across the snake pass the other day, we have family on the other side. So I feel like we're constantly crisscrossing the Pennines. But driving across the snake pass the other day, I, I came across two sheep by the roadside. And you think foolish animals that they are leaving the lush green pastures and rummaging around in the roadside scrub, oblivious to the danger of every passing vehicle. But you know, the good shepherd is in the business of bringing the lost sheep home. So if you see your brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give him life. Sin is not the end for a believer. There is life now and there will be life on the last day just as the Lord had promised because God brings about the repentance and trust of his wayward children through the confident prayers of his people. Patricia Rabin is a professor of journalism and mass communication at the University of Colorado. She grew up in a Christian home but Somewhere along the line, things went awry and she drifted from Christ. Doubtless her parents prayed for many, many years. It is a hard thing to see those you love drift from the Saviour who loves them. But she writes, He came at daybreak. That's when I met Jesus. I was just 23, but I was divorcing a husband. 
I was a young mother with a year-old child. I was jobless despite a new college degree, and I was broke. A prodigal daughter come home for atonement and renewal in my good parents' home. Come back, they said, so I went. Then they did the remarkable. They never once said, we told you so. They just put up a crib in my old bedroom, a girl's room still dressed in pale blue and soft ruffles. They bought baby food and nursery books and toys. Then my daddy, a tall brown man with strong arms and quiet ways, spoke in his soft words, words that would change my forever, my mortal life. You need to open your Bible. He didn't elaborate. There was no fussing or lectures. On that morning, Daddy just quietly left me in his living room, leaving me a choice. So I lifted the big Bible from its place on my parents' coffee table and I opened it. Surprised that the words of my recovery had been underlined years before with my father's black ink pen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Know that you have eternal life and you can be confident before God in prayer. Secondly, and more briefly, know that you have eternal life and that you are secure forever in Christ. Know that you have eternal life and you are secure forever in Christ, verses 18 to 20. Back in 2002, the then US Secretary for Defence, Donald Rumsfeld, gave his now infamous press briefing on Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. We know, he said, that there are known knowns, the things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns, the ones we don't know we don't know. And of course, the problem with the press briefing was that most people didn't really know what he was talking about. (laughs) And yet, in terms of the limitation of our knowledge, there are lots of things we don't know. The novelist and vocal atheist Philip Pullman put it like this, the totality of what I know is no more than the tiniest pinprick of light in an enormous encircling darkness of all the things I do not know. And yet as John draws this letter to a close, he wants to emphasise what his readers can know, that they can know life, And eternal security because, verse 20, the Son of God has come and given us understanding. In the uncertainty of this world and the fragility of our lives, we can know eternal life and security in Christ. As we look ahead over the the coming weeks and months with so much that is uncertain, so much that we don't know about our future post-Brexit... Here, John says, is confidence. See, even if you believe the 52% of the electorate who voted out, many people, it seems, are not even confident that the experts know much better than the rest of us. 
But John says, if we believe in the name of the Son of God, there are certain unshakable truths that we can know. I don't know whether you saw that refrain as Rita was reading. Verse 18, we know. Verse 19, we know. Verse 20, we know. Whatever else we don't know about life, about the stability of Britain, or the future of Europe, or the security of the world, we can know eternal life and unshakable security in Jesus. So verse 18, trusting in the Jesus of the scriptures, we can know that we are safe in the face of false teaching. We know, John says, that anyone born of God doesn't continue to sin. Whatever the claims The false teachers who were so troubling John's first readers had turned their backs and kept turning their backs on Jesus. They continued to sin. Theirs was a settled and defiant rejection of verse 20, the son of God who had come. And if you deny Jesus is the Christ, if you reject his death on the cross for your sin, if you continue in that sin, how can God rescue you from death and give you life? But if you listen to the apostolic testimony, if you listen to the scriptures, if you trust Jesus is the Christ, then Jesus himself, the middle of verse 18, the one who was born of God will keep you safe and the evil one cannot harm you. Trust the Jesus of the scriptures and we can know that we're safe in the face of false teaching. Trust the Jesus of the scriptures and we can know that we are safe even though the whole world is under the control of the evil one, verse 19. I always think you need a strong disposition to be a consumer of local and national and international news. Do you you never feel that? That every newspaper printed and every newspaper bulletin broadcast is a relentless testimony to the evil that seems to have an unshakable grasp on this world. I remember a bewildered friend of mine who's not a Christian once asking me about this seemingly endless human capacity for evil. Where, she said, does it all come from? What is it that makes people do the things that they do? And if we're honest, we ask it of ourselves, don't we? What is it that makes me do the things that I'm capable of doing? Well, says John, verse 19, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It's a limited control, limited in extent and limited in timing, but it is a real control nonetheless. And if the control of the evil one robs our Western world of peace and comfort, it steals much more from persecuted Christians around the world. I always think it is astonishing overwhelming even that this day there are Christian believers around the world whose businesses and families and lives are the target of those who hate Jesus and hate his people but says John they and we verse 19 can know we are children of God 
For even though you are in the world that is controlled by the evil one, we can know that we are safe in the Father because we are in his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may be in him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. Know that you have eternal life and that you are forever secure in Christ. After Thursday's votes, we are, according to one commentator, sailing into uncharted waters without a compass. And of course, all our worries actually expose where all our confidences lie. Concern about the pound and the euro, concern about house prices and investments, concern about security and terrorism. And yet, you know, uncertainty and insecurity and and vulnerability, they were the norm for my grandparents' and great-grandparents' generations. And it's the norm for much of the world's population today. The United Nations Refugee Agency says there are over 65 million people who are forcibly displaced today. Over 21 million refugees, mostly from Somalia and Afghanistan and Syria. There are wars raging in Sierra Leone and Somalia and Sudan and famine affecting millions of people in Ethiopia and it's spilling out over the borders into Eritrea. And then there are the problems in Ukraine and North Korea and the Middle East and and you listen to and are desensitized by the news just as I am. And if the world news is difficult, then it can feel even worse when the pain is closer to home. Maybe it is only in adversity that we will learn where solid joys and lasting treasures are to be found. I didn't actually know that Paul was going to mention uh, Corrie ten Boom this morning, but she came to my mind as I was preparing for today as well. As Paul mentioned, she and her family helped many Jews to escape from the Nazi Holocaust during the Second World War. And in the end, they were betrayed and imprisoned and taken to the Ravensbrück concentration camp. And yet Corrie ten Boom was to learn that whatever the circumstance and situation, if you trust Jesus is the Christ, you have life in the face of death. And you are eternally secure. She famously put it like this. No pit is so deep that he is not deeper still. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains. And the very best is yet to be. Know that you have eternal life and you can be confident before God in prayer. Know that you have eternal life and you are secure forever in Christ. And so in the light of all that God has done for you, how should you live? Verse 21. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. 
And the problem for the false teachers was that they were worshipping someone other than Jesus. But to worship anything or anyone other than Jesus is, John says, idolatry. And it is only in Jesus that you are safe. Well, let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Pour your love into our hearts and draw us to yourself and so bring us at last to your heavenly city where we shall see you face to face through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.